Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. They say... I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that asks the tough questions, like, was everything in the olden days in black and white? This is Hysteria 51. John, you are as stupid as you are ugly. We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I'm your host, John Goforth, and alongside is my co-host and the only guy I know to use the Sicilian defense in a murder trial, Mr. Brent Hand. What? What? I opened with the king's pawn, and therefore I didn't shoot that woman. Seems pretty fucking cut and dry, clear to me, John. It's simple. It's that simple. Simple indeed. Simple indeed. <laughs> you know I could beat both of you at chess. That's okay. So that's interesting. Let's let's play this out. He is in essence a computer. Right. So I mean, I could see him beating me. I'm I'm really not that good. But on the other hand, we're talking about the same computer that thinks a couple paper towel rolls are a jetpack. <laughs> So maybe I won't raise the white flag just yet. Right, true. So also, I've never actually seen him playing chess. I want to throw that out. So Seabot, where have you been that you've been playing chess before? And and with whom did you play? I started playing with Kyle, but he kept trying to eat the board. So I moved on to playing online. You meet the nicest people online. One guy bought me an outfit. Want to see? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I don't. Why don't you grab your chess board and we'll try a game out? I'm I'm sure the listeners wouldn't mind doing that. You know, what's what's a little waiting uh, chess game between friends, right? I mean, chess is so good via via podcast. I, ooh, I, I couldn't agree. Ooh, ooh. King's pawn to rook seven. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. You ask for it. Prepare to be dominated and not in the good way. <laughs> nope. Nope. Don't want to know about that either. One second. Just got to grab this from the closet. Here we go. Found it. Do you want your ass handed to you now or later? Did you grab the wrong box? That's checkers. Checkers. Chess, same difference. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean same difference? (laughs) They're entirely different games. That's cute, John. Let Uncle Seabot explain. You know how some people call it a sub sandwich and some call it a grinder? Well, same thing here. 
Some call it chess and others call it checkers. <laughs> Laugh all you want. I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> okay, okay. Woo! Brent. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, okay, all right. You, you, see, about you mentioned playing online. Uh, can you show us where you've been playing your chess checkers hybrid whatever online? If I must. There. What? <laughs> so, so to be clear for everyone, this is your online chess game. That's what I said, isn't it? <laughs> that is literally <laughs> my old Atari 2600 with a checkers cartridge plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh if for everyone who's playing along at home cbot believes that he will dominate us and anyone else who plays him at chess because he's been playing online and what he just showed us is playing his atari 2600 checkers cartridge or mm-hmm. well brent's old atari 2600 checkers cartridge um <laughs> you know brent his belief that chess and checkers are the same thing is is such a window into his psyche. I'm I I, I it it frightens me. Uh, it actually kind of reminds me of Training Day. The shit's chess. It ain't checkers. Exactly, Denzel. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, Brent. Speaking of corrupt cops, we have a story tonight about old time Chicago. Oh, are you saying that old timey Chicago cops were all on the take, John? Is that what we're getting at here? That's a that's nah, exactly. And they all had Irish accents for some reason. Yeah, and they, you know, they beat you with uh, their little burlap. What were those little leather whapper things? Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were going to go with like the bobby stick, but you're talking about the uh, flapjacks or flapjack. That's it. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Flapjack? I think so. No, blackjack. Blackjack. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'm just hungry. I don't know. (laughs) So, um, uh, and we, we, we alluded to at the top, um, how we believe that everything in the olden days was in black and white. Did you ever know kids that thought that like what uh, literally like, you know, look, little kids don't know the difference they, because they see like, you know, an old black and white TV show. Like when did the episode. world become color mommy? Exactly. Like when they thought the world was in black and white. Well, and also, you know, not only just the world in black and white, we're not just covering black and white topics. We're also making our way through every hotel in Chicago. We're going to hit them all. <laughs> Next week is that mystery stain at the Motel 6. <laughs> and uh, and we did go ahead and do this episode during the pandemic. So Joe Peck couldn't convince us to all stay in the same hotel room again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just so we can go like, hey, do you guys know about the I don't want to talk to you. Well, we'll try this person. Do you guys want to talk? Please get out of my face. <laughs> We didn't jimmy any doors this time either to get into rooms that then security comes in and finds us. So that you know, they say a dog was killed in front of that Hilton, and to this day, <laughs> that dog haunts <laughs> that Hilton. <laughs> we should probably go stay there for a couple nights. You're right, but in, instead of just a regular haunting, there is a haunting aspect to this we're going to get to, but it's also an unsolved mystery, and that's why uh, I had my trench coat pressed. And um, I'm, I, I still can't do a Robert Stack impersonation, but we're getting there. Can we're anyone gonna... really do a Robert Stack impersonation? I mean, it, what, a, what a gem of a voice. I can. And a pretty damn cheese muffins one if I do say so myself. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. According to Mrs. Elsie Melcher, a neighbor who asked not to be identified, Joe Cooper left his house two weeks ago. According to Angelique Bones, a nosy bitch who lives up the street, 
He took with him only a toothbrush, a wallet, a steamer trunk, and a plane ticket to Calcutta. That is, uh, I'm not quite sure that's a, that counts, but uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> it was good. I, I'll give him credit. <laughs> that was more Robert Stack than Seabot's chess was chess. Oh, so, yeah, it's a story from another Chicago haunted hotel because we're not just one and done in Chicago. They're all haunted or just mysterious or, I mean, it's Chicago. That's what you just say when you don't know what to say. It's Chicago. It's Chicago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Vote early and often. Yeah. We already talked about the rather disappointing experience I was kind of alluding to that we had at the Congress Hotel where we went in to do some ghost busting, some ghost hunting, and everyone just looked just like we were crazy. And they're like, there is nothing weird here other than the stories. Uh, so we just decided to, rather than letting the real life shit on a good story, we're not going to go there at all. So... We're learning, John. We're well, learning. it's it's true, but also, also, I think the the thrust of this of us doing this episode isn't the haunted nature. That's like no. a byproduct of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the The thrust of us doing this is what a cool, what a, not cool. That's that's the wrong word. Someone died, but murder is in- cool. <laughs> what an interesting you mystery. Want to see this my is. murder tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> Red rum. I was looking in the mirror. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Yeah. So anyway, we're gonna get into a Dateline January. 1944 one and i'm gonna let you know where there's gonna be some badass names in this i like a lot of the names just like all old-timey names they're just fucking mm. we just don't know how to name people anymore they're tasty yeah so one miss adele born williams that one's on the side of it all but you know she was a 58 year old renowned socialite everywhere you look her up people say that she was a renowned socialite which really just meant she liked to go drinking <laughs> it's your drunk people yep. with money Yep, that's right. And she was uh, she was the wife of a State Department attaché, which is a word that doesn't get used enough anymore. And uh, also, she walked- didn't we decide that if your if your title is attaché, that you're really a spy? Haven't we already decided that? I mean, you're attached to something. You're you're attached oh, to something nefarious. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, firing on all cylinders. But Mrs. Uh, Adele Bourne Williams, not of the Jason Bourne. Williams, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know that. I don't. You're right. I don't know if she was related to that make-believe character. We're going to look that up. <laughs> she was walking up to her eighth-floor apartment at the said Drake Hotel. Drake Hotel, Chicago. Accompanied by her daughter, one Thank you, John Miss Boyd. Patricia Goodbody. Goodbody by name. Great body. Stop by. it, Austin Powers. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, the names, I tell you, that was just a good one. So. When they get to the door, though, they find what was going on, John. It was unlocked. The uh, the hotel room was unlocked. The key card had been used. Well, I don't think it was a key card. I'm pretty I, sure it was a I, key. I, I literally said joking before you could correct me. Oh, <laughs> someone needs to change the battery in this. <laughs> the battery <laughs> runs on steam, but because it was back it's then. It's a steampunk key card. <laughs> There's a series of levers and mechanisms that once you put it in, uh, eventually turn all the right way. I think uh, everything uh, in life needs a, a series of tubes and wires, just no matter what. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That's probably true. But the the door was unlocked, and inside Brent, they found a gray-haired woman in a black Persian lamb coat who had been hiding in the bathroom, and she had one what appeared to be red flower in her hair because if you're going to rob someone you got to get gussied up a little bit wait hold on hold on fact check uh how do we know the flower was red if everything was in black and white that's true thank you for 
setting me on the path of righteousness. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'm like the guy on CNN fact check. Yeah. <laughs> and the flowers are still standing. Suddenly, <laughs> the woman pulls out an antique at that time. They even called it an antique pistol out of her purse and opens fire at William's daughter. She fires two shots, both miss. Then she leaves the bathroom where she was hiding in and fired fired several more shots at Mrs. Williams, eventually hitting her in the head, causing a wound that would prove fatal, not at that moment, but within a few hours. She runs from the room where witnesses see her fleeing and she disappears. The case is never solved. So an instant question. You know, I've I've read numerous accounts of this of this story. I I went to the bottom of the first page of Google this time. Yeah. And, you know, they all they all are similar. And it's that she shoots at the daughter first and misses and then shoots at Mrs. Williams. I like to think it was like that scene in Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Yeah, They just went all around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But here's the. Uh, so, okay. the first obvious question is, how do you like uh, ostensibly in a small hotel room? If they miss, can you really tell who she was shooting at? But let's just say you right. could somehow. Well, they, maybe they, they were could, like far away from each other. She was pointing at also one. possible. Yeah, like yeah, one had walked over to the bed to, to the bedside or whatever. But the the second question: What would, as a lunatic hidden in a bathroom wearing a Persian lamb coat, what would make you go? I missed with the first two with this lady. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my tactic and shoot at the other one instead, even though I I didn't finish the job with the first one. For some reason, I feel uniquely qualified to answer this question. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I find that sometimes you just gotta kill a motherfucker. That makes that checks. I mean, that checks. <laughs> and also, he does have, I will say, an extensive collection of Persian lamb coats. <laughs> see, see, dear listener, you thought he was going to say antique pistols, but we're smarter than that. We're not smart, but we're smarter than that. Winter storage for them costs a fortune. That is true. You got to take care of your fur. It doesn't it doesn't <laughs> last. You got to take care of it. Though it is funny when when you originally got him those mothballs, he, how he started eating them because he didn't understand the difference between those and whoppers. <laughs> he is the only person I know who can do the Winona Ryder ping pong ball trick with mothballs. So there is that. <laughs> okay. That's from uh, South Park, bigger, longer, and un- I, oh, I, I know, I know. <laughs> Only he's doing it with his toaster. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, but John, it was never. It's an unsolved mystery. That's it. That's the whole thing. The end. So Brent, it, that's a, it's an unsolved mystery. There's there's a little bit more to it as well that we'll that we'll get into. But maybe we should take a step back and and talk about the Drake Hotel. Yeah, let's give Drake a profile of the Drake Hotel. Right, Tom Cruise? <laughs> it's a Jewish-Canadian hotel that caters to rappers and whores. Dude, knock it off. I think he's got the wrong Drake in mind. <laughs> I, I once again apologize to the world. Built in 1920 by John and Tracy Drake. They are famous in Chicago as the brothers who opened the Blackstone Hotel a decade earlier. Also, I'm sure, haunted to the gills uh, at the other end of Michigan Avenue. John... For those playing at home, describe Michigan Avenue and that whole that whole area. Yeah, so it's called it's called the Miracle Mile. It's it's a real it's a slow moving large street. It's slow moving because there's so much traffic of you know uh, uh, tourists and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, although Michigan Avenue goes uh, much further south than the Miracle Mile, 
that when people think of Michigan Avenue, they're normally thinking of mostly the north side of Chicago. So right. Chicago's on a grid system. And uh, I believe, is it Roosevelt? That's zero north? Uh, producer, no, that's, zero that, north that's not true. Chicago. Do you know, is it Roosevelt? She thinks it's Madison. Is it Madison? Yeah, Ma- Ma- Madison around Madison is Regardless. zero north. <laughs> and so, uh, so you know, you, if you get if you go south of that, it's like two hundred south or five thousand south mm-hmm. or whatever. And then north, it, and so the Miracle Mile is generally considered everything you know uh, north of zero. Let me really excl- explain the Miracle Mile in the easiest way. You know when you're walking through the shops in one of those casinos in Vegas, and they have all the stores that you're like, whoever fucking shops at these because everything's like five thousand dollars. That's the Miracle Mile. It's true. It's true. It's like the, 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 in, a, in a shopping area in a casino in Vegas because it's all like Gucci and and uh, I don't know. But the, the, the reason Gucci, I, Gucci. I, I had more. I had more to say there, Brent. And, oh. and there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. So the first part of the Miracle Mile, as you're heading north, is more businesses, business office buildings, um, big corporate centers of commerce. Uh, and then as you once you get past pretty much the Chicago River. That's where it turns to full retail. Yeah. Um, and then on top of the retail is obviously more offices. And coming from the booth from Lisa, it is Madison. That's your, your zero. It is so Madison. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. And Madison State. Yeah. The, and this has been the center of both retail and uh, maybe white collar commerce along with back in the day, the the uh, the meat trade. And then also, you know, they don't forget the Chicago Board of Trade is well, not far and, away either. And then we had this the textile been, markets there. I mean, yeah, everything exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's not that. Yeah. The textile is not far away at the, um, merchandise mart. Yeah. So yeah, not far away. The merchandise mart, uh, like this is the, the hub of, of business in the Midwest. And the reason I say that is because even going back to the early 1900s, there was a need for a lot of hotels mm-hmm. and there are amazing, amazing architectural feats in these hotels. Anything from uh, if you've ever been to the top of the Allerton, there's the Palmer House that has this door that was renowned because the door itself was is so ornate and and carved out of I think brass that it's a, a multi million dollar door, uh, you know, at the front of the of the Palmer House. Anyway, the the point is this: um, if, going back to the, when you mentioned the Congress Hotel, there are all of these old timey amazing hotels in Chicago. Uh, most of which are considered to be haunted, but also that have amazing stories, amazing architecture, and are, are literally just fun to visit. I mean, they do hotel tours uh, in Chicago. Now, the difference between the Drake Drake Hotel, Chicago, which we're talking about now this week in the Congress, which we talked about earlier uh, on an episode, is the Drake is still a very ornate and beautiful hotel. The Congress is a living piece of shit. <laughs> So there is that. It's uh, as Metallica said. It's sad but true. Um, <laughs> it's sad but true. It's just not. Uh, it's not kept. Or well, the Drake Drake Hotel in Chicago has kept its. It's ooh. Fancy. Oh, the Drake is beautiful. People yeah. like um, you know, I've had a I've had a number of jobs downtown in the Loop, Chicago, and you know, you obviously after after work you go meet somebody for a cocktail, and you know you. Always, if you're doing it for business, you try to pick the place that'll impress or whatever. And often you go, go grab a martini at the bar at the Drake. Drake hotel, Chicago. Right. Well, and, and speaking of the, you, you said you cocktails and they had the cocktail bars and the ballrooms there at the Drake back in those days. And in, in through the time they've seen tons of famous faces there, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Marilyn Monroe, Queen Elizabeth II, Winston Churchill, Princess Diana. 
They've all been at the Drake. Drake Hotel in Chicago. And they are all haunting the Drake. Drake Hotel, Chicago. What? No, yeah, well, that's, not, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Here is, though, the icing on the cake, to, so to speak, and why we're talking about it today. Uh, throughout the last century, there's been high-profile deaths and unexplained phenomena uh, that led to a host of ghost stories because that bitch is haunted, they say. Now, that's not the only reason we're talking about it because there was a murder. The woman in black that haunts there is not the only. There's also a woman in red. A lot of, a lot of colors. A lot of colors haunt that place <laughs> is where we're getting at. We, and that's not the only ghosts that are reported to be haunting the Drake Hotel. Um, and most importantly, as you've heard from Seabot numerous times already in this podcast, it's mentioned a couple times as being the place that John Voight gets the... <laughs> Gets the Bible in yeah. the original Mission Impossible Thank you, remake. Gideons. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, Gideons. Yeah. So anyway, there are several famous ghosts uh, and, and deaths. And this week we're we're focusing on the woman in black and the murder of one Bourne Williams, Adele Bourne Williams. And what exactly happened? We're going to break it down even further. We're going to get to the murder. That's coming up after the break on Hysteria 51. No Seabot. Arnold Palmer does not own the Palmer. Drake Hotel in Chicago. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor, and we use it, Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. Right? <laughs> it, it's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm -hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available. For any trips you need language in life, you need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary, and they're from uh, somewhere else, somewhere, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that, and there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yes, Seabot. Drinking an old Arnold Palmer with vodka in it is good. <laughs> That's not an Arnold Palmer, though. That's a John Daly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Although, don't you really, like, honestly, if we were comparing, don't you think John Daly is more Seabot speed than Arnold Palmer oh, is? Oh, anyway? I'm sure that he's trying to emulate as much John Daly in his life as he, he can. Or as he possibly as a, can. You know, yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Back to murder, John. Let's get back to murder. Let's, that's something I haven't said in weeks. Adele <laughs> Bourne Williams was shot as she and her daughter, we said, previously returned to their room. Now, when we say room, this wasn't just they were saying that this was an apartment. People would live at these places. They were living there, um, not just staying in the room. And that is what her daughter, Patricia Goodbody, mm-hmm, told the police happened. Now, after the shooting, the fur-coated shooter leaves the room and was seen actually by a couple men before Goodbody starts yelling for help and that her mom had been shot. You know, she starts crying out for help. And here's a quote I want to read you because I love this. It blows my mind by one of the men who saw her as the woman was running. So the woman's running towards them. They hear her yelling. My mom's been shot. Stop her. He said, I could have tripped her, but I'm not in the habit of tripping strange women. <laughs> he went on to clarify however i do love tripping with strange women well those mushrooms were great yeah then he started doing one of those weird hand things with glow sticks i don't know it was a, it was a trippy time now there is some conjecture there though later reports do say that her daughter chased the woman down the stairwell yelling stop that crazy woman she shot my mother we're gonna have a lot of different stories on this so Taking notes at that time weren't as good as what they are today, <laughs> or maybe they were, which is scary. I don't know. I, I mean, I it's it's just like any other story about a crime. There's so much anecdote, and people have different memories of the right, exact right, same right. event. I, I I mean, obviously, on the smell test, it didn't sound right. Like, wait, wait a second. You're telling me that your mother is laying on the ground bleeding, and you're not sure if she's alive or dead, and you're going to go chase the person instead of... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's tender? like revenge takes over or stop that person. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Either yeah. way, I guess a shooting happened and there are witnesses and the case begins. That's kind of where we start off at. So we got to get into the case and it's an interesting one to say the least. Obviously, if someone is shot, John, police are going to launch a massive search of the hotel. One would think. And yeah. they originally found what? What they find? Nothing. Right. We ain't found shit. Then, like magic, four hours later, the murder weapon is found in a place they had already searched. It was shattered in a stairwell like someone had dropped it from one of the top floors and it it smashed and banged into shit on its way down. Now, they said there was a search underway. Police had searched the place. Then the gun had apparently been returned, one might say, to to the scene of the crime. Like they looked there. It wasn't there. They looked there again hours later, and there it is. In my defense, I panicked when I was running low on gin and dropped it while rolling down the stairs to the bar. Here's how I know that's not true, other than the whole time travel thing. 
He hates stairs. I was going to say. No way. He, he And he never usually stays on the upper levels just because. And really, when was the last time you saw him drinking gin? <laughs> well, I don't know. What time is it? Uh, <laughs> anyway, the search also showed that the spare key to the apartment that was kept at the front desk was missing. So they all have keys. You know, the front desk has keys. It's gone. And not to be outdone by the gun, it appears back on the desk at 10 o'clock that evening. So they go back to check again. Boom, it's there. The key that had disappeared has reappeared. Something's fucky, John. Something's fucky. <laughs> I, I was about to say, did you mean funky? Nope. You know, nope. you didn't. Nope. So there's a shooting. Nothing was taken from the room. No jewelry or any valuables. And Mrs. Williams actually had $100,000 in cash in a safety deposit box that was untouched. And when, Brent, when we say safety deposit box, do you, are we talking about a... Like a safe in uh, the room type thing. A safe in the room? Yeah. Yeah. They, I believe they just called them the deposit. It's not like a safety deposit box at the bank. You know, it's a little right. bit different. Because that would, that would have been not as germane to the story. <laughs> we don't know why they didn't take that, uh, even though they had no access. From three miles away. <laughs> and... Why she had that in the first place is also a mystery. They don't know really where the money came from, per se. So there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, in this story. Just before the murder, though, and this is an important clue, a phone call had been placed from Mrs. Williams' room to a fish and ale house two blocks away. And the daughter said she did not make that call. She didn't know the place. She, she didn't do it. And that makes it sound like the person was in the room, made the call. The woman in black made the call. Mm-hmm. So the cops get busy making a case. John, tell us about some theories that they are working with. Yeah. So one of the theories came from a police lieutenant named uh, Lieutenant Quinn. That sounds made he- up. <laughs> I hate I hate Q names. No, I don't know. I'm being stupid. <laughs> um, um, I, I was about to make a bad joke anyway. Okay. <laughs> That's all I make. <laughs> <laughs> So he believed that there there never had been a woman in a fur coat at all, but that Mrs. Williams' daughter, Mrs. Goodbody, had shot her mother herself in the midst of a fight over the gun. He also claimed that no call for help had been made until 10 or 15 minutes after the shooting. So he's, you know, he's saying there's a, a large disparity between Ms. Goodbody's story and and what actually happened. Right. And his reasoning is interesting. Yeah. He said that the killing had either been an accident in the midst of a struggle uh, after the daughter announced her intention to kill herself. <laughs> I'm going to kill you know, myself. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. <laughs> you is not. <laughs> or that it had been planned by uh, Goodbody and her father and that the reason the gun wasn't found uh, for four hours was that the father or the ex-husband had smuggled it out. Mm-hmm. According to that theory, Ms. Williams was annoyed at her daughter for some reason and was planning on writing her out of the will. Now, I will say this. When you look at all the timey shit, people with money, when they get mad at one another, they used to do shit like, I've written you out of the will. Mother. No, mother. No, of course. Of course. But I love how the 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 police's theory is, well, either she wanted to kill herself and it happened in the struggle, or, or <laughs> this other completely harebrained scheme that had nothing to do with the first one. Yeah, no, he kind of put this together because the first call was to the dad, then to the police, you know, so he's like, here we go. The thing that blows my mind with this whole thing with Quinn was he was convinced within minutes of investigating the scene that there was never a woman hiding in the bathroom because there wasn't enough room, he said, for her in the bathroom because an ironing board attached to the door would have taken too much space. It, it, it just it took up too much space. 
a simple look into that showed that there was plenty of space for the woman in black to hide. The other cops were like, Quinn, are you a fucking idiot? Oh, <laughs> there was one other piece uh, to show Quinn was an idiot. The three fucking witnesses. He believed there was no woman, <laughs> no calls out, and there's three fucking people that go, uh, dude, I saw a woman running out of there. She was screaming. Like, no, I, I, I'm going to be serious for one second. Mm-hmm. The other thing that completely loses me on on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman's take on this uh, on this murder is either there was a struggle or it had been preplanned, blah, blah, blah. Normally, when cops suggest a struggle might have occurred, it's due to circumstantial evidence. Right. A broken vase, mm-hmm. a, uh, a a tipped over nightstand, a, a, a hell, a shoe that's turned on its side. Nope, none of that. Just, uh, I think they, that's probably how somebody got shot because they were struggling. Well, and John, I said that there was three witnesses. Now, if you remember, I said there was two men in the hallway that saw the woman leaving and, and heard her screaming. There was a third witness, the fucking victim. Adele did not die for hours and was able to speak and told the police who shot her. And she's <laughs> the one who gave the original description of the woman in black. But fuck that shit. <laughs> Quinn's right. The daughter's a liar. Lock him up early 1900s justice i love it oh I mean. man beat up a couple irish guys and go home you made it a day there detective <laughs> that is that is that is the best part of this story yeah just no literally, literally the person who got shot was in on it what, uh, what, what? I, that's not what happened i'm still alive oh it's so sad i'm still here i can i can literally hear you still alive <laughs> luckily the i think ca- i'm gonna be okay <laughs> If anyone's wondering how long someone has to have been dead after they got shot to make jokes about said death, 82 years. 82. 81 if that person uh, was Russian. This is the way it works. (laughs) No, 81 if that person was a Virgo. Oh, that's right. That's what I meant to say. So the captain, luckily, he put a stop to Quinn's nonsense and said that, that there had to have been a third party in the room. So that leaves a glaring hole of who was it? Well, there's some strong, strong possibilities of who it might have been, and that's coming up after the break on Hysteria 51. Virgos, the assholes of all the signs. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I'm a Sagittarius, John, I'm a hunter. Wow. <laughs> no, whenever someone tells you their sign, the best response is is kind of the classic somebody tells you something and 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 you just want to call them an asshole you're like oh yeah no, that makes that tracks yeah i'm I, I can definitely see that or or better yet better yet that explains a lot That's, uh yeah well mm. <laughs> i i think i'm gonna go old school on this one john we haven't done this in a long time we're gonna talk about who did it who could it be now who can it be now an oldie but a goodie so john we already talked about the daughter but that was number one the trouble was as we said miss williams had been able to speak before she died and she said that there had been a woman in black with a rose in her hair and she said that woman yelled i will get you yet now that's what the victim said the woman yelled Uh, oh you forgot part my pretty my pretty plus (laughs) plus the witnesses described seeing the that same strange, mysterious woman in black flee from the hotel room. So, yeah, not likely. 
Yeah, exactly. To recap, thus far, we have a murdered woman who took a while to die, but so, so at least gave some corroborating evidence mm-hmm. on there being a woman in black. So we, we know for certain that someone shot her. Someone shot Miss Adele Bourne Williams, and we know that it was a woman in black because she gave the description herself. Yeah. And so we know a suspect is not the daughter, and it is it's somebody else. Uh, these are the facts. We know these things. So the next kind of way they went down the, the, the process was, what about a random burglar? Did the mother and daughter interrupt a crime in progress, which is something that does happen? Someone they didn't know who was just there because they knew that they had wealth. They, they knew stuff. A crime of opportunity, maybe? I mean, it, it could be as simple as they don't even know who the people are other than if you have a if you have this type of apartment in the Drake Hotel, you have money. You wouldn't have the apartment without having money. Right now, the random burglar, there's a lot of clues that go against that, like the missing key, the gun showing up later. It's always a possibility, but it makes you think someone closer to the story, closer to it, um, was actually involved. Something more sinister was at hand. Right. That gets us to the more likely scenarios. So the smoking gun is the non-smoking gun in this whole thing, the shattered gun. You remember that? You know, it's the one that they came up with later. There's a crazy story with that. So the serial number was traced to a fellow named Walter Brown, who said that he stole the gun in Bloomington during a holdup in 1939, but he turned it into the police. Then Brown himself, though, they there's a like, lot to unpack there. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll just keep going. <laughs> right. So Brown himself was not a suspect because he was actually in prison at the time, serving a life sentence for the murder of a McLean County deputy sheriff. So there's no way he could have done it. Uh, a Lieutenant Quinn actually thought that he was an accomplice. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just saying that because there was no way he could have done it. So, right. like, I mean, let's just get let's go I for the three feet here. He was there for sure. Now yeah. it gets even weirder. According to the story, the gun had been in police custody for five years. How the serial number connected it to him is a mystery. I could not find out how, since the police never believed he really owned it, is what they kept saying. I don't understand that, and it seems like everywhere I read, people go, we don't understand how it got to him, but it got back to him. In fact, the police denied his story, although the officer he had given it to admitted that he had received other guns from Brown because they were lifelong friends. What? So anyway... Weird story. So like, wait, wait. I, I want to make sure I understand this. Because I, I had a hard time with this part of the story. That they take the serial number and they trace the serial number. Mm-hmm. And they trace it back to Brown because he had turned it into the cops, uh, according to himself. So the cops say, uh, there's we never a, got that there, gun from him. There's a record. Some, uh, the story is there's a record somewhere that says mm-hmm. um, Mr. Brown turned uh gun number G three seven four nine two six one. Yeah. You know, or whatever the, the serial number is. And but then if you go ask the cops, they say no, we don't have a record. And the of cop that. goes, he never gave me that gun, but he did give me a lot of other guns because we're buddies and he gave me guns a lot. <laughs> yeah. And either way, the weirdest part about it is if he had given them the gun, if he had any tie to the gun, it doesn't matter kinda because he was in jail when the murder happened. Well, there is a kind of, and I'll, we're going to get to that. because So the police felt there was no evidence that Brown had ever legally owned the gun. In fact, Brown's insistence that he had owned it was the only real thing tracing it to him. But the weird doesn't stop there. That, that was weird as far as it doesn't make any sense. In looking into Brown, they find out that the police officer wasn't the only one who had ever received a gun from Brown that we said the lifelong friend gun. He had given him guns. His sister had sometime before 
borrowed one and used it in an attempted holdup and she had been caught and she was now out on probation. Now, remember when I said those awesome names? That was one Miss Ellen Villanus Bennett Larksworthy Welch. It's a fucking mouthful. Ellen Villanus Bennett Larksworthy Welch. And guess who was working the front key desk at the hotel? One Miss Ellen Villanus Bennett Larksworthy Welch. Oh, wow. By the way, that's a foreshadow to a thank you we're going to give at the end of this program. Not a murderer, right. but somebody who shares the Different last name. Different spelling, but, same, but similar. Right. It doesn't stop there, though. Old boy actually had two sisters, and both were hangers-on at the Drake Hotel. Ellen was a key desk clerk, and his other sister, Anna, uh, was there whom the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, described as a hotel prowler. I get called that a lot. I am sure he does. That checks. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> it's more of a more of a uh, animal home prowler or or, 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 or pound prowler. <laughs> so Ellen went by at this time, Ellen Murphy. She went by a lot of things. She had a lot of aliases. Uh, a little bit about her. She was a sixth grade dropout. She married Acott Bennett, a 57 year old man when she was 15 years old. And they had a kid who kind of disappeared there's talk that he maybe had entered the military, but all the, if you try to look him up, shit ends. So we don't really know what happened to him. They were divorced after about six months of marriage and Ellen enrolled at Northwestern university. Remember she was a sixth grade dropout. She used a high school diploma that belonged to a friend of hers named Eva Soloway, uh, whose name she was using. She was one of those stolen identities. Then in 39, Ellen, who was still formally known as Mrs. Bennett this time, had borrowed one of her brother's guns, plus some tape and cord to tie people up and attempted to hold up a woman in Park Ridge. That's what got her on probation. Park Ridge is a near north suburb to Chicago. And at the time she was wearing, get this, a blonde wig over her red hair and was driving a car owned by a state senator. Huh? We've thrown a lot at you so far uh, about this weirdness, but I think I think an easy way to say it is she's a grifter. Right. Uh, when caught, she pretended to be a nightclub entertainer named Peggy Ryan, and uh, that's when she was put on pro- probation. So then in 41, she was living on the near west side under the name Ellen Larkworthy, wife of a guy named Vere, V-E-R-E, Larkworthy. Uh, she married in Milwaukee when she was living as a bar fly, as they described her and her sister was working as a call girl. I think that's someone who answers phones, right? That's what that means. Yes. That's, that's what that meant. Real yep. salt of the earth type ladies is what we're getting at. You know, just, just honest through and through. No, no, no. Cheese muffins. Call girl means prostitute. I, oh man. Do you think, can you build, can you build a rec- recognition algorithm for sarcasm? <laughs> or, or, Okay, never mind. Just turn him off. Just turn him off. Oh, my God. Uh, So she'd married this man. She bought jewels with his money, insured them, then reported them stolen. It was such a bad lie that they put her on a lie detector test back then. And then, of course, Larkworthy, apparently another old guy, was murdered shortly thereafter. Ellen was questioned but not charged. And before his death... He described their courtship as I came back from the races and met Ellen at a hotel. We drank. And the next thing I remember, I was in Dubuque and married. Who hasn't had that Thursday night? You know, 
<laughs> so they were married only a few weeks before Ellen left him, and she had already taken him for everything he was worth. His murder? Never solved. Who would have thought? Then she married for a third time to a guy she lived with for only a few days. Oh, my God. I'm exhausted. Oh, and at the time of the Drake murder, she was 41 years old and was working as, we said, the key desk clerk, living in the hotel under the name of Ellen Murphy. And both friends and the police described her as cold-blooded and with a real penchant for diamonds and jewels, which is something that Mrs. Williams had in abundance. So that could have been a reason for her being in the room if that was her. One of the things that I was thinking about as as I was reading all of this tomfoolery from this woman, you go, like, how the fuck was all of this possible? And it, it, you think about it, like... What did you need to prove that you were who you were? You needed a piece of paper. She didn't have know? pictures on it back then or anything. Right. And they didn't tell other departments what was going on. Like true grifters just moved to town to town and assumed a different identity, made one up or stole someone else's. And and they could get decent job. I mean, think about uh, it. That's where references came from, just to prove, <laughs> you know, that you say on your resume. Well, I spent a number of years as vice president of uh S&P bank, bank and trust. And it's you know, no meanwhile, there, you can't really call them, but just trust me, but just trust me. Yeah. I, I, I don't want them knowing I'm looking for a job. Um, but like, that's how stuff worked. Right. Right. So it's not that crazy that if someone was truly in the business of de- deception, that you could pull all this stuff off. John, it was a different time then. It was, it was a, different a different time. time. She's like, I'm not a grifter. I love you. Now, uh, what's your bank account number one more time? Thanks a lot. I appreciate <laughs> it. She, uh, now, remember, she's working out of there. She would have been the one to give the, if she wasn't the one in black, give the woman in black the spare key used to break in the room, and which mysteriously turned up on Ellen's desk later that night. And she was, at the time, occupying a suite in the hotel with her latest lover, Patrick Murphy, whose brother Francis was at one time the state labor director. So she she ran in some circles that had at least people in power. She gets around. <laughs> Although back then, state of Illinois labor director, I mean, that might have been one of the most dishonest jobs out there. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not like she was hanging out in circles of virtue just by saying they were part of the of the local or state government. <laughs> the Teamsters were playing for her room, I'm sure. Nothing to worry yeah, about. Exactly. Uh, another another hint. Remember the call made from the room? that we said right before everything happened. Well, two weeks before the murder, a call was made from Ellen's room at the Drake hotel to the, the pub fish and ale house a couple of blocks away. Same location. So the same fish and ale house that had the call right after the murder, uh, Ellen had called from her room a couple weeks before. Now, John, they questioned her, right? Of course. Right. Uh, Yeah. And so, yeah, they did question her and she did admit to owning a black fur coat, but she said she did not own a wig and had never been in Mrs. Williams, which we know that she had wore a blonde wig previously in a heist. So that red uh, real quick, that red uh, rose in her hair. She had bright red hair. Couldn't that have just been her hair poking out a little bit? And when you've been shot in the head, maybe see it wrong. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. I don't see how a bullet going through your skull would change your perception. That's true. I'm, Thank you for setting me straight. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, one one interesting fact: uh, she did go back and forth, kind of relented on her story a little bit about whether she was in the hotel at the time of the murder or if she was in a nearby restaurant. She did, however, uh, volunteer to and um, and pass 
several lie detector tests. Not that uh, that was the most um, uh, reliable technology even today, much less back then. Well, back then, but, they just uh, had a, a large man sit down and go, you lying? No. <laughs> I believe her, yo. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> it checks out. <laughs> they would so, dump uh, her both, underwater. Uh, both and Ellen floated. and her sister... <laughs> Both Ellen and her sister were arrested twice in connection to the murder, um, but were freed on writ of habeas corpus. Yeah. Now, what that means is if there's this petition saying, hey, you need to tell us why we're being held of charge or you need to let us go. They brought them in and they weren't charging them. And so like, dude, you got to you got to let us go. And so they they were free. It's like when you watch Law and Order and they say, oh, we got to let him go. It's been 24 hours. Same thing. Yeah. So they let him go. And, And despite the extensive investigation Charges were never made against Ellen or her sister, who was in the hotel also, who could have definitely been the accomplice. If someone, a lot of people said that it could have been Anna that did the murder, or it could have been Ellen because she was, oh, at that restaurant at the time because she was actually committing the murder, or were they doing it together? And that's pretty much as far as they got. Literally, nothing else became of it. They never solved it, and it's it's still out there. John, what do you think? you know did you you put your money on one of them do you put your money on a just a random burglar or mrs goodbody just got away with murder oh i i no not mrs goodbody i i think 100 percent our our grifters are involved whether ellen actually was the woman in black pulling the trigger or whether there was a third accomplice who um uh, they were all in on it and you know having secret meetings about who would do what where okay i'll leave you the key by the door and uh, you know once you're done with the gun leave it for me and i'll, I'll destroy it you know like that sort Sounds of like uh, that, that before, sort of plan hmm. what's that oh no i just noticed it sounded like you've done that before but no worries oh um well uh Moving on um, to me, it, it there's there's enough circumstantial evidence around these women and also just past history indicative of this type of behavior. And then the weird tie with the gun, it's all it's all too suspicious to not think that they were involved somehow. I kind of I kind of chalk this up to, well, uh, Chicago, early 1900s, meh. Like, you know, they were, they were, uh, you know, half of the, the well, th- this half was the, the police were corrupt worst and the other thing that happened that day. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the, the police, like they had other fish to fry. Half of them were corrupt and the ones that weren't corrupt were more. And they were about, like, fishing. They were frying those fish at the pub right down the street. At the pub. That's happened. true. Hey, the That's phone's true. ringing. Someone want to get that? Thanks. It's like, it's sad. A woman was killed. Uh, we, you know, we have, uh, we've got gangsters to go corral. Yeah, I, I agree. hundred percent. It's just, it's. A product of the times. That's a good way to say it. But that's not the end of the story. It's the end of our story as far as the investigation goes. But we did promise ghosts, John. There is a ghost in black that haunts the eighth floor, which really makes no fucking sense because the woman in black was the killer, not the victim. But who am I to split (laughs) hairs when there's a good ghost story out? But hey, maybe maybe she likes to frequent her old stomping and killing grounds for some afterlife shenanigans. So like the it's 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 Ellen uh, haunting, uh, like even though like she wasn't wrongly killed, but uh, uh, she just, you know, she enjoyed the Drake. Give me a jewels. I'll get you. Someone buy me a drink if you're a senator. (laughs) I can't remember all of my names, even the real ones. Oh, it's such a horrible afterlife. Well, what are you going to (laughs) do? So this is, it's a, it's a, it is a pretty, pretty interesting mystery. It's a, it's an interesting mystery when you start to follow the thread of the gun, the brother, and then Ellen uh-huh. and her sister, and and how they all coincidentally are tied somehow, some way. 
like it, it's it's like it's like one of those Reddit mysteries. You can start to put pick up the pieces just by reading the little pieces of evidence here and there. Yeah. So uh, if you if you're interested by this, do a little googling. It's fun. It is, uh, but I I don't know that I I think there's some super mystery out there that we haven't uh, 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 solved for. Super mystery. It's like a regular mystery, only super. <laughs> That's true. Like that. That's true. Right. Speaking of super, Brent, we yeah we have a big thank you. Yeah, huge thank you to one Rita Welsh. There, there's our our connection and name. Uh, Rita did us a solid. So, if you've been in Hysteria Nation, you saw that she was making masks for people. Yeah, folks who couldn't afford, you know, cotton masks uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, so she did us a huge, huge, awesome solid. She'd reached out to us. We'd sent her money, and she was doing this. She also happened to be going to see the Mothman Museum, the Flatwoods Monster Museum. She sent to John and I tons of masks for each of us and our families. Flatwoods Monster poster, Flatwoods Monster. Each of us get a little, like, you can paint it yourself, a little Flatwoods Monster. Know what I'm doing this weekend? You, are you doing some painting? Yeah, exactly. You should just let your son paint it, and whatever it comes out as, that's it. <laughs> and you know what? Give him real paint and just put him in the carpet and just let him go to town. It'll be fun. That's a really good idea. I mean, just make sure and not get the washable kind. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best. So, Rita, for real. Thank you so much. It is awesome. Uh, I'm waiting on a frame to put up my. It's that poster where it's got. Dude, she sent us enough. Don't ask her for a frame. I've ordered my. I ordered my frames. Actually, uh, I'd ordered a couple and they they already came broke. I'm like, man, thanks a lot, Amazon. That's what I get. Anyway, uh, (laughs) so I'm getting new ones, but it's the one where they have the Flywoods monster and then the guy standing next to it. It's the one you get like every every purchase gets a free poster. That one. I was like, can I have that one? Because it's awesome. <laughs> nice. So, uh, Rita, again, big thank you. So nice uh, of not only of. Yeah, it's great. You sent, sent us stuff and we really That's appreciate it. But yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, so great of you to, you know, kind of put all these masks together. And, and we, we were more than happy to send some money your way to, that, to help other folks as well. Well done. So, yeah. And if you want to be like Rita and have a place to talk and chat and, and um, discuss things, Hysteria Nation. Where can they find that, John? It is on Facebook. It's our Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. That's right. Or Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. That is our regular Facebook page. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. There you can find extra episodes. You can find the mad, blurry Hysteria that I do every two weeks with Dr. Chris Cogswell and David Flora of Blurry Photos and the Mad Scientist and lots of radio dramas and all sorts of shenanigans Voicemail 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. If they forget any of this, John, where can they go? Just go to gofopedia.com. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, that's true. You can. It It does work. But uh, uh, our regular website, hysteria51.com. Speaking of websites, there's another Brent Hand who has brenthand.com, and it hasn't been updated for a few years. Well, I just went into the other day, and it's down. And I actually know who he is on Facebook. I sent him a message. He didn't respond. I'm like, hey, let me buy that from you or get it, you know, take over the just the domain, you know? Oh, I we've talked about this before. I don't know if I told you. You did. You got yours. I acquired. I haven't done anything with it, uh, but I acquired JohnGoforth.com. Oh, I've got some ideas for it, John. I You are not allowed. You're not allowed within 10 miles of it. <laughs> I of know you internet. too well. I don't know how to space that. I'm so confused. <laughs> 
Well, it's a series of tubes, Brent. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of tubes and wires, <laughs> just like all the good things in the world. Yeah, so uh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he'll see it and uh, I'll bug him a little bit. If not, maybe I'll bug the, uh, you know, see if it goes up for sale somewhere. Uh, if it's $13 or less, <laughs> baby's coming home to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I'm just saying that someone's going to go out and buy it and make it like some horrible, I didn't even want to say. Scat porn. Yeah, I said horrible, not ador- adorable. There's a difference. <laughs> Uh, so that's been our thoughts on the second haunted hotel in Chicago that we've covered, the Drake. Drake Hotel, Chicago. Drake Hotel in Chicago. Only 37 more before we hit most of them. Yeah, <laughs> before we hit the halfway point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.